for podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Uh, Scott Dockerman momentarily. Trent, uh, since we went to break, the uh, judge has denied the request for injunction, uh, Des Moines Public Schools, so that means there will be no extracurricular activities going forward. Uh, the judge has ruled against that. Taking this a step further, mm-hmm. what does this mean? So, so they're all still going to stay at home. And do the virtual learning. Yes, yeah. Online learning still 100% for Des Moines Public Schools. And when does when is that through? Do you know? Uh, in perpetuity. Okay. I, I, I don't know if there's an end date to it. My wife, who teaches in Des Moines Public Schools, believes it'll happen throughout the year. Other people say they'll reevaluate in a month. Some people say at the end of the first semester. I think it depends on who you talk to, but there's no end date at least so, currently that I know of. Tara, your wife, mm-hmm. is at home teaching her class. She is in her school right now. She is she's a teacher coach, instructional coach, I believe is what it is. She works with the teachers with different things that they're doing. So okay. she's not an in-room classroom gotcha. teacher anymore. She's uh, moved up, I guess, if you will, yep. to that role. And she's part of the administrative team at her school. So she is inside the building. I do not know if that's the case, though, for... The other teachers inside the building, I believe it is, but I'm not positive on that. And again, is that something that every day you still have to go into the school? Mm. What what is you know that look like? I don't know. There, there's probably questions I should probably know the answer to well, since it is my wife. Yeah, and well, ask her. Ask her this: uh-huh. Do the kids get credit for these days that they spend learning at home towards you know advancing of a grade? Right. Do you know? As far as I know, yes, but. I think that's the next course of action that the governor's office could take, as they say, this isn't counting. You're not hitting at least this 50% threshold that I came up with. Then these aren't going to count, and that means what kids have to repeat the year, have to repeat the semester, whatever it turns out to be. This is not even close to over. This is a very small step we're talking about here with the extracurriculars and the injunction not given uh, today by that judge. So Ames, the Iowa City Schools, and the Des Moines Public Schools, volleyball, Football, cross country, cross country, golf, golf. Those seasons come to an end after two weeks, unless they want to play exhibitions. Jesus, maybe. I don't know. Do you want to thumb your nose at the association, it, right? the girls' union? Uh, I, I Probably not a good step. Those those paths to get to the state tournament will become a little more difficult yeah. going forward if you start to do that, or that draw in future years. Right. Gets a little, <laughs> that's interesting. All right, so uh, that's uh, breaking news here. Since uh, the end of the first hour of the program, uh, the judge has denied Des Moines Public Schools an injunction. So that's where we stand as of right now. The next step, I guess, the ball goes back to Des Moines Public Schools court is to see how they're going to respond or not to this. Uh, We will certainly know here in the days ahead. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic will join us momentarily. Zubin Mahente from ESPN. He does mornings on ESPN Radio. He will join us here in 15 minutes. Get the latest with Zubin as we kick off another NFL week. Got a couple of Bears fans on with me at the same time. Should I remind Feel bad for us, don't don't you? (laughs) Uh, These two knuckleheads with their quarterbacks going to be. Look, I thought it was going to be Trubisky. 
I'm not sure that that's the right answer. I think Cam Newton. I think maybe Andy Dalton. I think uh, Jameis Winston. Who else was lost their gig that would have been available? And you wouldn't have had to give up a draft pick. Right. At the same time. I wanted Jameis. You know that. I know you did. Hello, Scott Dockerman. Are you satisfied with Mitchell Trubisky? Would you like one of the... Uh, not the cast-offs, but you get my drift. Guys that uh, were seeking another opportunity with another team. Oh, I think I like Nick Foles. I think he'll be the quarterback eventually. I, I also think that, uh, you know, with uh, Ryan Pace taking his whole reputation on what happened with Mitch Trubisky, that at this point it's let's give the, give him one more shot yeah. and see what he could do. And, uh, you know, when, when they get torched on Sunday by the Detroit Lions. And they, and they very they'll, well they'll could. Yeah, I mean, Matt Stafford, to me, is the most underrated quarterback in the NFL. And now he's got weapons. They're they're good. They're you know that they're not going to give up a ton of points, but they're not going to score very many either. Yeah, it's going to be uh, going to be fun. Can't believe that it's here, but uh, here indeed it is. Yeah, right. Deshaun Watson signs a mega deal this weekend, and we already know Patrick Mahomes has been taken care of. And there's your guy. Uh, anyways, let's get to the here and now, Scott Dockerman. And you know we've um, we've I think we have. I'll speak for myself. I've allowed myself to buy into this Sir Yacht guy. He's got to get one of these right. That maybe indeed that there is something percolating out there. Gosh, I hope this kid's right. Please be right. Uh, doesn't sound as though he's going to be Doc. What do you know, if anything, about this vote that you know keeps pushing, get getting pushed back? Is there going to be a vote? Is there any chance of a Big Ten season starting in October, Scott Dockerman? Uh, about October. All I know is that some of us actually report facts and some right. of us actually meddle in rumors. Yeah. And it gets really frustrating when we get called out on Twitter and other places for reporting facts where other people are throwing out their wishes and, and the wishes aren't happening. I mean, there are a lot of discussions, no doubt about it. There are a lot of, um, uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, rumors that are have some basis in truth i mean i i talked to several sources last week and and they said look you know we've tried these things this is what we want to do in fact at the very beginning there was discussions among the, some of the schools like ohio state iowa nebraska to to play around robin just to play and then they were shot down by the big Ten. so there is some some basis in fact but but uh you know to just keep throwing out there oh there's supposed to be a vote oh there's supposed to be a vote <laughs> right. oh it's going to happen it's going to happen october 10th that's just really, um, you know, that that makes us all look bad. And because when I talk to Gary Barty, he says, we don't know about a vote. Mm-hmm. Well, people are going to believe some guy who rides a boat over <laughs> somebody who actually knows what's going on. So as of right now, there's no vote scheduled. That could change in an hour. And we could have October football. I hope we do. But at this point, from all everything I've, I've heard, as close to as all this as possible is, that Thanksgiving is the most is the earliest date. The most likely one is January. Uh, but again, all of this can change. It is so entire. It, it's so fluid. But yes, at one point, Sir Yacht is going to say this every day, right, and right. one day yeah. it's going to be right. We hear from Larry Scott late last week talking about the improvement with rapid testing and with it possibility that the Pac-12 is going to move up uh, when they're going to be playing their games. It was January 1st for all sports and possibility that they move up. Yet we have heard so very little from Kevin Warren. What what is happening here and are we going to hear anything more? Is it just going to be these continued ridiculous sources like Sir Yachts of the World and 
real legitimate sources, people like you, Doc. When are we going to hear more? When are we going to hear from Kevin Warren and where the Big Ten is? Because this silence, it continues to fracture this athletic conference that was known so much of being together. Your guess is as good as mine, Trent. And, and I think this is the most disturbing fact that we've seen in the last little over a month here regarding this situation is that uh, Kevin Warren has been an absentee commissioner that does not have a consensus right now. In fact, one person I talked to at a different school who's, you know, fairly high up told me, he goes, if, if, if everybody here was to vote on whether or not they wanted Kevin Warren, including the whole league, nobody would vouch for it. Mm. That's how bad it is right now in Big Ten country. And the silence is deafening when you have a coach marching, let them play on Saturday. Right. When you have, you know, administrators at every school having different, whether it's agendas or having different discussions. And the one person that can really sway it, you know, has the biggest, uh, you know, voice in the room is silent. Mm-hmm. You're allowing everything to, to kind of move here and there. Now, nobody's gonna, nobody's threatening to leave the league. That's that's ridiculous. I mean, you know, Ohio State made fifty-five point seven million dollars last year from the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. It's not going to leave the Big Ten, of which it's been a member for one hundred eight years. Same thing with Nebraska. It just finally became a vested member right. a few years ago. It's not going to forfeit hundreds of millions of dollars to go somewhere else. But that said, the commissioner has to be forceful. The commissioner has to come out. He should have been out on the college game day set describing the situation, why they're doing things the way they are. Instead, he's been silent. And I think once this all gets figured out, it would not surprise me at all if there's a no-confidence vote. There mm-hmm. really needs to be because mm-hmm. whether or not he's removed or not, is besides the point, but there is no confidence in the leadership of the Big Ten, and that is a scary prospect. And, and yet, Doc, over the weekend, you couldn't turn on uh, whatever college football channel we were watching and not see Larry Scott take the opportunity to get out in front of a camera and to uh, fill everybody in as to what's going on in his conference with those rapid tests. And, you know, he said during at least a couple of times during the pieces that I saw with him that if he had his druthers, the Pac 12 and the Big Ten would be aligned whenever that date for return to play uh, is decided upon. He wants to go forward with the Big Ten, yet I, I mean, he, he's out there saying that Thanksgiving is now a possibility when they were absolutely opposed to anything prior to 2021. He says that Kevin Warren and he are speaking on a regular basis. You would think that we would not deserve might not be the right word, but like you say, Kevin Warren at some point has to say something. You would think, and that that's the whole thing. I mean, yes, his first responsibility is, is to his board of directors, right. or the president, and then the 80s as well, because that's the constituency he works with on a consistent basis. But you think about it, for the, throughout the 11th state region now of the Big Ten, uh, you know, you're asking uh, people to spend their money, their time, their emotion on your product. You've got to think of it in a business perspective. And the best way to calm those nerves or to uh, give people hope or thoughts is to get out in front of the, this issue and consistently take your message to the people. And Larry Scott, who I thought was the weakest of the Power Five commissioners right. uh, probably three months ago, is now you know in a position of strength because he has explained it. You know, the day they announced that they were uh, postponing football, he had a 12-page document from doctors. Big Ten didn't have that. And and to be this powerful, to be the richest conference, 
um, over the footprint of the, the most wealthy portion of the country and not have this type of information available and dispense it is, uh, is an absence of leadership. And I think we're seeing this day after day after day, and there's no there's no press conference. Occasionally, he'll leak stuff or he'll say stuff to a handful of reporters, but he really needs to come out and be forceful, and we're not seeing it at all. Adam Rittenberg, Teddy Greenstein, who else is on uh, uh, Commissioner Warren's list? Is that it? Is that the list? Uh, no, I mean, you know, and then beyond them would be, uh, you know, Nicole Arbach, who oh, I yeah. work yep. with, yep. and Pat Forty, and, and a few other, Pete Tamil from uh, – uh, you know, yeah, and so yeah. there's a couple uh, that are on there, but but really, you need to have, you know, because let's be frank, you know, as much as we write or people write, they people want to see it, people want to hear it for themselves, and the only thing that they've heard or seen from Kevin Warren was his abomination of an interview uh, the day they canceled football, and instead of following it up a day later or two days later with, okay, I'm sitting here next to Morton Shapiro, the the president of the of the presidents and. and uh, the P- COPO or whatever from the Big Ten, along with uh, some medical personnel. And here's why we're doing it. would have 90% of the people would have at least nodded their heads and say, maybe I don't agree, but okay. But there's been no transparency. This has just been uh, an abdication of leadership. And it's it's troubling, at least from the Big Ten perspective. You know, I've never given this any credence whatsoever, but maybe I'm naive, Doc, and, and, and Trent for the same way for, with you. Since this is the Big Ten footprint, a lot of folks think that this is entirely political. That Kevin yeah. Warren's not going to play because he doesn't want to give the president a win who's now come out. Do you think, Doc, that there, that, that there is a political arm to this decision i can't buy that but a lot of people believe that this is exactly what's going on do you think that there's any validity to that now here's where i could see some political overtones that uh you know probably need to be discussed is i mean if you have a democratic governor in the state of michigan who believes a certain thing about um covid and and her opinion kind of uh, filters down to the president at Michigan and Michigan State. Then I think there is a political overtone to this. I, I'm not, I'm not one of the conspiracy people to say, oh yeah, they're not going to do anything until after the election. That's that's kind of out there for me. But I do think that you know politics do play a role. Now, how much of a role? You know, I, I think it's it's not as strong as some people want to believe, but. You know, they are a factor. Uh, I would just say a very limited one. Did you watch much college football over the weekend? It was uh, pretty dreadful mm. across the board. A little bit, yeah. I, I watched more Cubs Cardinals than I did <laughs> yeah. college. I, I, I tried to watch last night, and uh, that was uh, <laughs> that was a clubbing. I mean, that was bad news. So, uh, you know, hopefully we get some better games this weekend, and certainly they're should be one in uh, in Jack Trice Stadium on Saturday morning. And that's uh, where you're going to be. I know that was the plans officially. Are you on the press list and going to be in Jack Trice? Uh, I haven't checked the press list yet, but, yeah, I mean, that's the plan right now is to be there for, uh, you know, which should be a pretty good opener. Yeah. I mean, Iowa State is a dark horse, and Louisiana won 11 games last year, and they always have great athletes. So I think this should be a, a terrific game, and I think it's, Definitely salt in the wound for Iowa fans because yep. that's the traditional date for the Cyhawk. Yep. To see uh, Iowa State playing that day and not see Iowa 
and see most of your high schools with the exception of what uh, Des Moines and, and Iowa City or whatever. I think it's uh, it's pretty uh, it, it's going to be really tough. It was it was tough enough on Saturday. I went to the wave. Uh, oh yeah. And, oh, did you? Yeah. And, yeah, and uh, now it's uh, even more going to be more difficult when they see actually the Cyclones play Saturday. I'll recap that for us, Doc. I saw some Twitter. I saw some folks that were there. The cheer squad was there, and they were waving. It said, "How many people showed up at Kinnick Stadium on Saturday?" Not very many, and part of it was that their desire to keep everything kind of socially distant, mm-hmm. so they didn't really announce, you know, hey, everybody come out and give a wave. It was, uh, you know, just a handful of people who just decided to show up on their own, and some of them from different areas. There was uh, a couple of guys I talked to from Ottumwa, some others from eastern Iowa, far eastern Iowa, and then, uh, yeah, there was the, the Spirit Squad, Herky, uh, that and right around eleven thirty-five to eleven forty, they started waving. And, hmm. and even at the children's hospital, they can't go on the twelfth floor because of social distancing. So, but uh, but we could see people waving back in some of the individual rooms. And and I think it was just a it was just a reminder that there are some things you could still do even if it's not an official football environment. And it was a beautiful day. It was about seventy degrees, and there was wasn't a cloud in the sky. So. It was it was a perfect setting for what we saw, but you know it still kind of hits you in the heart. You know, there's this wonderful uh, tradition that Iowa started yep. that continues, but but it's 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 still a lot better when there's seventy thousand people being able to do it. No doubt. Last thing for you, Doc, and I know that there might not be any uh, insight into this at all. So if it is Thanksgiving, we've heard that you know they're going to play in January. They're going to find indoor stadiums throughout the Big Ten footprint, which there's clearly enough that they'll be able to pull this off. If they started in November, Doc, would they look to go inside in that month? Has there been any speculation as to how they would handle the November-December portion of the schedule? Would they be actually at the home venue, or would they you know, go on the road to neutral uh, sites as long as there's the roof over the field's head? <laughs> That's a great question, and I mean, I'm purely speculating here, but I'd imagine at some point you do have to go under the roof. Uh, you know, it, it, it's been the weather pattern, and I'm only I'm, I'm not a weather expert by any means because I still call a derecho a land hurricane. But <laughs> I do think that uh, you know when you have uh, usually right around the second week of December where it just plummets temperature wise, it goes to like six degrees and snow. And then around Christmas, it gets warm again. So I really don't know what they're going to try to do here with that. I, I just think, uh, you know, they've got, to, they've got to come up with a plan and they've got to release it and give people some hope and something to talk about. Give the players something to shoot for. They can't just have this nebulous environment of trying to practice and, and when they don't know if they're going to be playing next month, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, Valentine's Day, whatever. So, uh and that, that again, sends the leadership. So, no, there hasn't been any kind of uh, discussion as far as I'm aware, or at least there's been a relief that I'm aware of of what they're going to do in December and January if they play on Thanksgiving. But I think, uh, I think if nothing else, they need to have a vote this week, even if it's shot down again, right. just to make sure that, okay, that option is closed time to start looking at other options and give us a schedule just something scott dockerman from the athletic doc thank you we'll talk to you next monday uh we'll uh get you on a couple of fronts we'll have you recap the iowa state game and give the latest on what's going on the big 10 and with iowa thank you scott dockerman at the athletic appreciate what you do for us
Good to talk to you. Scott Dockerman, as he joins us here on Miller and Condon. Take a quick time out. Zubin Mahente is up next uh, as we take you until noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM take you until noon. Let's get our friend Zubin Mahente from ESPN Radio Mornings on ESPN Radio. Zubin, Trent and I will go around the world of sports. Good to talk to you, my friend. How are you? Uh, good. Had my first, uh, I know you guys have gone through this, had my first COVID test today. The company, uh, Disney, is actually uh, requiring them now for people that work without a face mask. And obviously that's kind of <laughs> right. integral to what we do to not have the mask on. So thankfully it wasn't quite the cheek swab. It wasn't the crazy one. It was kind of in the middle. So we're going to have to do it once a week. And so just sort of bracing for it. But uh, that's reality now. Yes, indeed it is, Zubin. Well, fingers crossed that uh, everything uh, comes back the way we want it to. Uh, Zubin, you know what? Uh, let's start with football because where I was, it's, it's a topic, a question that's kind of percolated. Well, what kind of football are we going to see? There's no preseason games. Are these college teams going to be ready right out of the shoe? What do we expect to see? Well, if Navy BYU is an example, Zubin, Navy didn't do any tackling at all in the month of August. Uh, they uh, tackled for the first time in some respects uh, last night in the first quarter against BYU. Uh, will this be maybe one of the themes we're seeing, Zubin? Kind of sloppy play to begin in week one in the NFL and in college football as we really uh, raise the curtain on Saturday? I think so. I mean, I don't know how you can't give that the benefit of the doubt, especially at the NFL level as well. If you take away OTAs, minicamp, rookie camp, preseason, you know, what's Joe Burrow going to look like out there having never taken a part in any of those sorts of things? I just bring him up being a rookie. So I think that's interesting. To your point, we had Greg McElroy on this morning, the national championship winning quarterback, and he mentioned something that not a lot of people, you guys probably know this because you guys are all about gambling, but the average person probably didn't realize that BYU was a road underdog. So for them to go in there and play the way that they did, think about this from BYU's perspective. When the Big Ten shut down and the Pac-12 shut down, and they said they were going conference only before they postponed in general, BYU lost five opponents in 36 hours. Mm. I mean, they lost five games in 36 hours, so they had to do anything and everything they could to scramble to get any sort of decent schedule. So I give Kalani Sataki a ton of credit. Their schedule is totally upside down. They were able to make it work. And all props to them. I do think one other thing that's interesting is there were two things that really stuck out to me from the last couple of days. Uh, number one, I think you're going to see a lot of games like the one we saw yesterday. And number two, so much for the everybody gets a free pass. If I'm not mistaken, right. Southern Miss fires their yes. coach yesterday. <laughs> and this is going to be the year that everybody gets a pass. Right. It's such an unprecedented situation. One game in, and we've already got a firing. So... I guess, Ken, that just befits 2020. Just when you think mm. you can't see anything more unpredictable, it gets crazier. <laughs> it really does. People, where's that money going to come from? Yeah. Where, where are you going to pay for these buyouts? 
Southern Miss found a way, and I think other schools certainly are going to find a way if it comes to that point. College football in general, it's going to be incredibly odd to see these stadiums. It's one thing to flip on you know, a game involving a Sunbelt team, a game with Memphis on Saturday night, and not seeing a ton of people there. Thinking forward in a couple of weeks, and we're going to turn on an SEC game, and it's going to be a big SEC game, and the stands with a couple of thousand people scattered around, just visually, it is going to look so different, and we get that with the NFL also starting this weekend. That visual aspect, I think we got used to it in baseball. How do you think it's going to look when we get to big football, the NFL and bigger? I think we'll adjust because I think the television products will zoom in, they'll tighten in, they won't want to let you know there's an empty stadium out there. I think the, you know, the Chiefs are going to have around, I think I saw the number 17,000 or yep. something like that. So, you know, that'll give us a little bit of something to give us a gauge before we get to Saturday. Obviously, as you know, big 12 teams are playing Saturday, including yours. Uh, there are also ACC teams playing Saturday. Miami's playing Thursday on the ACC network as well. Um, so I think when it comes to the Power Five, you're going to get a good mix this weekend since two of those three leagues are going to get going. And obviously with the NFL, uh, on Thursday with all eyes on that Houston-Kansas City game. So I don't think it's going to be that odd. The The place where it's going to be odd to me is everybody's talking about the big three leagues that are playing the ACC, the SEC, as well as the Big 12. What a lot of people aren't talking about are there actually three other leagues in the FBS playing. Trent, you mentioned the Sun Belt being one of them, Conference USA being the other, uh, and the AAC being the other. The overriding issue that a lot of people are going to see is, you know, the inequity in testing. Those teams from the Power Five conferences, they're going to be able to test all the time. So if Tennessee has 44 guys that are out due to coronavirus and contact tracing, they're not going to worry about testing every day. Those three other leagues I mentioned, there's going to be an inequity with regard to the resources that they're going to have available for their student-athletes versus the ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12 for obvious reasons and budgets. I also think when you watch those three other leagues, uh, their press boxes aren't as great. Their sight lines aren't as great. Their stadiums aren't as refurbished and new. So I think if you see anything with regard to the aesthetics of watching on television, you might see it in the smaller leagues because these newer leagues are made with gigantic press boxes and amazing access everywhere. So I think TV can still hide most of that by really honing in on the play and going as tight as you really want to camera-wise. So I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. Uh, and I think we're going to adjust. I mean, Ken, I would imagine. I mean, I don't watch nearly as much hockey as you do, but it didn't take me long at all to watch a hockey no. game and really feel like it wasn't a big deal. NASCAR race, you know, Ryan McGee told me, I've never been to a NASCAR race, but, but our Ryan McGee said, he goes, he goes, trust me, you don't even talk next to, the person that's sitting next to you at a NASCAR race, you never talk <laughs> to them because it's so loud <laughs> inside the track. So in some ways, uh, yeah, you want the energy, you want the atmosphere, but some of these sports just are able to function just fine without them. And I think over the course of time, if we're watching college football on Thursday, the NFL on Thursday, college football on Saturday, NFL on Sunday, it's just like binge-watching hockey or the NBA. The more and more you watch it, the more and more you just kind of get used to it. And uh, I think that's probably going to be the same for football. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Zubin, um, I don't think we've brought this up. If, uh, if we did, I apologize for repeating uh, my Steve Levy question to you. I know that you and uh, he uh, sh- shared a, a sports center desk a number of times over both of your careers. Boy, it's a big opportunity for him. Um, as I've told you before, I'm a fan. He certainly stood the test of time at ESPN. And he's getting an opportunity in one of the biggest spotlight uh, spots you can be 
ESPN uh, when you're an ESPN employee. So good for Steve Levy. Your thoughts on the crew that will take over the Monday night football. Yeah, I mean, it's great. I mean, he's been there 25 years. And people, a lot of people don't know this. They know him as the hockey guy calling some of the longest playoff games of all time. He's been covering the Stanley Cup for us for a quarter century with Barry Melrose. But he's really a football guy. He's really a football guy. And I think that's something that's been obscured a little bit because so many people associate him uh, with the NHL. He loves college football. I mean, I know it's your number one sport. He did two tours of duty doing play-by-play for college football for ESPN. He did the XFL. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he told me a, a good little story. You know, he was the preseason voice uh, of the Denver Broncos for a while. And to have that first game, even though I know he's done a Monday night game before, to have that first game be in a familiar place, in a familiar stadium, a familiar press box, just everything that you want. Because he told me, look, you know, we were doing plenty of shows together. And, you know, when you hear that music, in your ear, because he had uh, done a couple games on the back end of the uh, doubleheader that we have when Joe Booger and Jason were calling the games. There's just something about that music in your ear. He's old enough for Frank Gifford and uh, Dandy Don and John Madden, so it really means something to him because even though he is a hockey guy, he loves the NFL. And what's really going to be fun is that I think Lou does a great job for us, Lou Riddick, but Brian's going to be really interesting because keep in mind two things about that Tennessee a Denver game that they're going to be calling to end week one. Number one, um, John Elway was replaced by Greasy. Yep. And in, in many ways, they're still looking to replace Peyton Manning. So I do think Brian will have a very interesting view on Drew Locke because obviously they've ran through a lot of other guys that really weren't the guy. But here they are five years removed from the Super Bowl, having made the playoffs since, still looking to replace Peyton Manning. I think Brian will have an interesting view because he had to replace probably somebody even more difficult than Peyton Manning when it comes to that town, at least. Mm -hmm. And the second thing I would say is that last year, this is an underrated thing. Steve and I were just quickly talking about it. Last year, uh, Tennessee went into Denver, lost 15-0, not a very good Broncos team. And that's the week they decided to bench Mariota for Ryan Tannehill. So when you're watching the broadcast, I believe the Titans went 7-3 the rest of the way. Obviously, as you know, went to the AFC title game. But it all started after they probably hit their lowest point of the season in Denver, and then everything started to turn. So for the Titans to go back to Denver, knowing that's where it was rock bottom, might be an interesting point of view if you're a Titans fan, and to listen to Greasy sort of talk about what he thinks with regard to Drew Locke, replacing a Broncos legend. I mean, I guess I can call him a legend. He was only there four years, but he brought him a Super Bowl. So I think that'll be really interesting, Uh, not just Steve, but the other guys as well. I think Brian's going to have a really interesting role and he and Brian have been doing college for, for quite some time, so I think it's really going to quit. Well, you sold me. I'll watch. <laughs> Not going to take a lot there. Speaking of watching, I was watching last night BYU Navy. Bill Belichick stops by and yeah. was in there for, what, a good 10, 12 minutes or so, just uh, yeah. talking about his connection to the Naval Academy and, and really fun hearing him uh, talking. Have you seen his commercial? I have, yeah. We, him talking football, though, it, it's really good when he's actually talking football. I saw Cam Newton yesterday uh, called their marriage a match made in heaven. We'll see if he's still singing those praises by December. How do you anticipate the Patriots are going to look this year? Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. They're going to open against Miami, so I think they'll be able to get off to a good start at Foxborough. Although I should mention the last time the two teams played at Foxborough, Miami won. (laughs) And that really gave the Chiefs uh, the the two seed, and that really obviously helped them win the Super Bowl. But these are different times. I do think, obviously, you know, the one thing about Cam people don't think about, he's, he's been through a lot. He was the 2015 MVP played well in 2018, missed 15 games in 2019. 
it's funny, see, the preseason foot injury he had, remember, guys, the preseason foot injury he had that essentially, not in that moment, but essentially was the beginning of the end for him in Carolina. That actually came against the Pats, right? So here we are. Key made a good point this morning, Keyshawn did, uh, on our show, and that was he said, you know, people are down because there was a limited market for Newton. Not a ton of teams were interested. What does that really tell you? Pats took a flyer, marriage of convenience. We don't love each other. We need each other, that sort of thing. But he actually turned me and said, listen, I don't think there was a lack of interest in camp. There was simply just a lack of teams that needed a quarterback. Like, if you have a young quarterback, like I'm just making up, if you have Sam Darnold or you have Dwayne Haskins, like, you're just not going to bring Cam Newton in. It could shatter the kid's confidence. One bad game, let's bring in Cam Newton. So he sort of sort of indicated that he didn't think it was a lack of interest from teams around the league for Cam. It was just, are there any really good fits for Cam? Would a young QB mesh well with him? Obviously, if you have a Jimmy Garoppolo or an Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Carson Wentz, big-time player salary-wise, Tom Brady, you don't need him, obviously. But it's one of those deals where he kind of turned it because I really thought, like, man, not a lot of people want him. He's only 31. He's gone through a lot. Now, his MVP season was five years ago, but you guys know five years in the NFL is almost like a lifetime. So I, that was an interesting viewpoint. I think it's going to go all right. Belichick's been effusive in his praise. But you never really know what that means, although I would tell you he was hardly ever effusive mm-hmm. with Tom Brady praise. So the fact that he's having a Gaga session with, <laughs> with Cam Newton and Cam Newton's reciprocating it as to what Trent said, maybe that tells you something because I don't ever remember him, you know, spilling his guts the way he did about Cam with regards to Brady, unless it was at the end of the season in the Super Bowl or something like that. Never happened on a week-to-week basis. So I, I think at 31, if he's healthy, it could be an absolute steal. It's a great move for the Pats. It's costing them virtually nothing. And for Cam, either this is an audition or it's an opportunity to get his career back on track with the greatest coach of all time. The upside's amazing. It really is. So my last thing for you, got to do a couple of minutes here on the NBA. Uh, your, uh, your take so far on the uh, conference semifinals, what's been the story of these semifinals so far, Zubin? Uh, tongue planted firmly in cheek. I mean, this is how crazy the NBA has gotten. A couple of days ago, the best team in the NBA record-wise won a playoff game, and everybody was surprised. Yeah, right. It's a good <laughs> That's point. That's come down to for the Bucks, right? I mean, the Bucks lose Giannis and win that game. Although I will say the other team on the other side is not getting a ton of attention. If the Miami Heat had won that game where Jimmy Butler said they sort of, you know, let their foot off the gas, the Miami Heat would be 8-0 and mm. in the playoffs. And they would be the first team to advance to the conference finals. In fact, if they win today, they'll still be the first team to advance to the conference finals, which they haven't been to since LeBron was there in 2014. I think there was a lot of talk about Luka. It was well-deserved. There was a lot of talk about Damian Lillard prior to that. It was well-deserved. Harden's been up and down. Westbrook's been terrible. But the one guy people aren't really talking about that I thought has just been, you know, (laughs) not just on the court, but with his Nicola Walter commercials, I really think, Jimmy Butler yep. is coming into his own, and there's a, plenty of talk. Like Giannis is a free agent after the 2020-21 season, whenever we happen to start the next season. Nobody's really aware of that. Um, he could be a free agent after the conclusion of that season, and there are many people that think he might go to Miami to team up uh, with Jimmy Butler. There's also been some criticism on Giannis. Ken, it's pretty amazing. He's going to win his second MVP most likely here in the next several days. So he's going to be a back-to-back MVP winner. He's going to be the reigning defensive player of the year, the best player on the best team in basketball regular season record-wise. And there are a ton of people that are wondering if he has alpha enough 
to win a championship. Mm. I mean, I just told you he's the back-to-back MVP, presumably, best defensive player in the league, leader of the best team in the league, and people are questioning if he's good enough to lead a team to a championship. It just serves to show the incongruity there is unbelievable. But I would keep my eye on Jimmy Butler. He just fits with Pat Riley, uh, the grinding, the grit that's needed. Look, he played his way, of course, as you know, out of Minnesota, played his way to Chicago, played his way out of Philadelphia. But I think the best endorsement for Jimmy Butler is they let him walk out of Philadelphia. They kept the guys they did. And clearly, had they kept Jimmy Butler, they would be, they would be in far better shape than they are now. Is he a tough teammate? Yeah. But at the end of the day, as the guy said this morning, he's a dog. He wants to win. And everybody says they're a dog. And everybody says they want to win. He walks the walk and talks the talk. And he can make it really uncomfortable for people at times. But at the end of the day, you know what you're getting. I mean, this was a guy that was homeless, had nothing going on in his life. Um, he faxed his letter of intent. Jay Will told me this this morning on the air. I had never heard this. He, he was homeless and faxed his letter of intent to colleges using a fax machine at a McDonald's. Wow. I mean, he was as low as you wow. could go, no support. And suddenly he turns into the NBA's most improved player and now one of the best players in the league with a gigantic contract. Again, on the surface, if he's your teammate and you do him wrong, he's probably going to give you that scowl for the rest of the game. But that's the guy you want. Um, his ascension, you can talk about Duncan Robinson, his teammate, started a oh. Division three. Williams College transferred to Michigan. You might remember went to the Final Four. He's become an unbelievable player, one of the best shooters in the NBA, coming out of Division Three basketball. That story's good. Jimmy Butler's story is great. No, it really is. I just wish it could have worked out in the Twin Cities. I guess him and Carl Anthony Towns mm-hmm. uh, kind of clashed a little bit. Zubin, great stuff as always. Have a wonderful week. We'll talk to you uh, next Tuesday. Thank you, Zubin Mahente. Take care, guys. See you. Good to talk to you, Zubin Mahente. Weekdays, ESPN Radio from 5 until 6 and then 8 until 9. Uh, good stuff out of Zubin. Uh, Jimmy Butler's story is really fascinating, Trent. I mean, and he is an SOB. He is he a tough just player wants to like. To win. He does. Does he go about it the right way every time? Probably not. Probably not. He's going to be playing in the Eastern Conference Finals. It sure sounds like it, doesn't it? I mean, they've had no answer to the Bucks. No. None. Middleton played well in, in game he, four. Well, after, yeah, after Giannis went out, mm-hmm. uh, he did. He took over. Um, I think Boston's going to win. I mean, it's easy to say now they're yeah. up 3 2. Um, and then we'll just sit back and. Boston, Miami, Lakers, Clippers. I thought that we were going to get that. I still do. Both are more those. Both those West series are more compelling than without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, We'll come back, finish things up. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KXNO and one hundred six. A lottery. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. I just reached out to Frank Schwab from uh, Yahoo Sports yeah. for tomorrow's show. Did you see, I mean, we had a pretty extreme weather shift here over the last 24 hours. Denver went from 93 to 12 to 16 inches of snow today. Ah, welcome to 2020. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we got the winter weather coming in. 93 to shoveling snow. And lots of snow. And lots of snow. Not a dusting. No. Enough to cancel school. Are they going? I saw the governor of Colorado is going to, he's doing a, a walk back. They're not playing football, as we know, mm-hmm. uh, in, in uh, high school in Colorado. Apparently, they're going to lift that. 
Oh, really? Today. Restriction today at some point. Seen a few states that are doing that. Right. Michigan among them, too. Big Ten not, though. And, uh, well, the Big Ten's not in Well, yes, they are. We'll see. I saw there's a bunch of politicians that have reached out to uh, the Big Ten. I don't know. November. Will it work? No, January. Uh, Murph and Andy coming up today at uh, 2 o'clock. The Fanatics will be in here at 4. Uh, Morning Rush tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. We're Miller and Condon. Weekdays 10 to noon. Thanks for spending some of your morning here with us on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.